Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 18th of November, 2016. I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about call-out culture. But firstly, we'd just like to apologise for, or just even explain, the delay in the release of this episode. I just got back from a holiday in China, which meant we weren't able to record. And then when Ben got back, I went away on holidays to Cairns and the Great Barrier Reef for a week, uh, only returning yesterday. Uh, But now we're both back home um, and ready to go. So either it's going to be really great because we're all rested, or we've actually forgotten how to do podcasts. So we'll see how we go. Uh, so to kick this off, uh, because apparently we can't not talk about it, it's been just over a week since Donald Trump shocked the world by winning the US presidential election. One of the many reasons his win appeared so surprising is that throughout the campaign, Trump made comment after ridiculous comments denigrating a very wide range of marginalised groups. In fact, these statements played a significant role in the campaign against Trump. Um, Much of the election was framed around progressives calling out Trump for his sexist, homophobic and racist statements. This call-out culture has been a bit on the rise in recent years, I guess maybe particularly since the rise of social media, where individuals are singled out and attacked when they make offensive comments as a way to counteract bigotry. The election of Donald Trump, however, has got Simon and I thinking about call-out culture and its uh, perhaps limitations. Uh, Where does it come from, for example, and is it effective? So, Simon, to get started, why do you think Trump's offensive comments became such a focal point for uh, so-called progressive opposition to his campaign? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think it's one that we're going to have to reflect on sort of longer track as people sort of reflect on Donald Trump's election and, you know, why it occurred and what it means. I think, firstly, it's important to state that, I mean, a bunch of his statements were really awful, uh, and and not just uh, not just awful in the sense of I guess um, you know trying to make headlines, but genuinely generally terrible and terrifying stuff. So his, his in particular, I think his um, sort of announcement of his plan to ban Muslims from coming into the United States was a particular. Uh, area of importance, largely because it wasn't just a racist comment, but was actually a policy proposal, and I think it was mm. worth, one worth having this huge debate about. Uh, and then the sort of um, 
grab them by the pussy um, sexual assault comments were again something that I think that was really important to talk about um, because of this um, the need to have a discussion about sexual assault um, and 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 sort of the growing debate around that issue. So I think firstly it's to recognise that this is an important part of the discourse, uh, I guess. Totally, totally. Um, and I think it's worthwhile having that conversation. However, I think at the same time, a large part of this is part of a process of sort of growing identity politics um, process within the left or progressive, so whatever, you know, however we want to define that group of people, uh, which frames and has framed everything around um, around identity, around um, around people's identity as either women or people of colour or queers uh, and framed, tried to frame that entire, the entire election around that. And so you saw a, a debate um, on the, on the left or progressive side of politics, which basically said, you know, uh, people shouldn't vote for him because he said these awful things. Uh, and that is the sort of end of discussion. We've called him out on these awful things he said. Um, end of discussion on that. Uh, and then people have been really shocked to see people who, who did vote for him and to see that that message may not have necessarily worked. Um, I think it's part of a growing trend which focuses in identity politics and focuses in on the sort of growing role of language within that process, um, particularly in a, in a process of really high level of media um, engagement and social media engagement where it's become, we've become quite saturated with these sorts of um, comments all the time um, and the ability to spread those comments very far and wide. Um, it sort of is a, it, it's a natural bringing together so identity when you politics. Say, when you say these comments, you mean like the kind of things... No. So the kind of things that Trump was saying, but I think it's not just, you know, I think, you know, and what we're trying to do here is to use Trump as an example of a sort of what I see as a, as a, as a growing trend of people focusing in on uh, people saying awful things and calling out that awful things and then stuff spreading across across social media and sort of having this bit of outrage culture around this sort of stuff. So there was a lot of that around Trump, obviously, because he's, you know, said lots of awful things. Um, sure, but you sure. see it around, um, uh, jet, you know, you see it around a whole bunch of pe different people. I, you know, I think about um, the example of the last year, it was the Nobel Prize laureate in um, who, who made a sexist joke about... Um, about women um, in relation to at a science conference uh, and that sort of spread like wildfire and there was this huge outrage culture around that. There's a guy who wrote a book about, um, uh, what was it called? It's, it's called um, uh, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Oh, which John is, Ronson, yeah, yeah. the John Ronson book about people who have sort of been publicly shamed about about these comments they've made and and um, and this sort of you know you know people being called out for this stuff and it just spreading like wildfire and that being the focus of this outrage culture and I think that the focus on Trump of this is sort of the you know not the culmination but is a, is a perfect example of this growing culture of which is a mixture of identity politics being clashed up against so, social media saturation where um, that's that's sort of how these things come about. I guess. What well, are your I mean, thoughts? I feel like Trump is a, an, a kind of illustrative uh, way to get into this too because, like, a, a, a US presidential election is, is something that has extraordinarily wide ramifications mm. for the world. Um, and it's about 
a lot of different things. It has a very, um, it has both, uh, very, um, incredible kind of symbolic and material relevance to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, not just, not just the U S but to the world. And so I, I guess what I am interested in around that question is just literally imagining, a, a person kind of sitting in front of their computer and kind of reading a news story about about Trump, like the, the grab grab them by the pussies, like a good, yeah, I think I think the kind of probably most illustrative example of this, and like what makes that the kind of most um, urgent thing to be discussed and commented mm. on, and and I I suppose I would be curious to hear your thoughts specifically on on that um it's it i guess this is the the question i'm grappling with as well um so part of me goes it's totally natural and i totally understand that um approach um in the sense that the you know what the arguments around that particular comment for example is that it is normalizing and legitimizing sexual assault against women um which is a pretty horrendous thing to do and yes. that by voting for or or um or sort of uh, or supporting that guy you're normalizing and, and um sexual assault against women and that's that is an awful thing to do <laughs> um and so I can understand that, but at the same time, um, I think that uh, it's the the there's an instinct around going um, uh, that if you didn't think that that was the most important issue, then you're automatically a bad person who didn't who don't doesn't doesn't care about sexual assault or doesn't care about homophobic comments or things like that, and sort of a dismissing of all the other issues that are going on in an election and all the other issues that are going on in the world. Um, And I think that that is also problematic, and I think that's the balance that I'm struggling with in many ways. Why is that... Can you think of... Do you think that's happened? Like, where where people have kind of... Yeah, what you're saying, like, that, that if you don't care about this... You're a terrible person. Yeah, so I was reading an article just today. Um, it was from a person, uh, a queer person, I think, bisexual identifying or maybe lesbian identifying. I'm not. I can't. It doesn't. You know. Either way, queer of some form. Um, for example, writing something about. Uh, what was really interesting is that they were writing something saying, you know, to, to their friends who are Donald Trump supporters saying, well, you know, you heard him say these homophobic things um, and you still voted for him. You're voting against my family and my rights. And I just sure, can't accept sure. that. And yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty direct. Yeah. And uh, that sort of thing was very, and I've seen that a little bit. Uh, I've seen that quite a bit, actually, to be fair. And what interests me is that it goes okay we've said that he's a homophobe we've called him out you must hate him now but that your interests you know and and i think that in particular the economic interests of saying um well you know people who, are, who there are definitely people who are voting for him because they feel economically under pressure uh and there's no like consideration that you know economic issues are also family issues in many ways, or also issues about people's ability to survive and all of that sort of stuff. Um, sure, and, sure. And I mean that kind of sort goes, of seen, goes, oh, Sorry, go ahead. It's sort of seeing this sort of queer. I mean, in this instance, queer politics is very personal, and economic issues is very abstract. Um, if that makes sense. 
Um, sure, so, I mean, I feel like this is this is just the kind of classic thing that we talk about it in terms of like the um, w- dichotomy, and I think it's pro- possibly a false one uh, between um, imagining, uh, yeah, I don't know, the like the kind of symbolic versus material stuff, the kind of identity mm. versus economic stuff, and I, you know, I, I don't, I suppose I don't um, have all that much interest in. Like I feel like people probably know where we where we stand on that sort of thing, and and yep, yep. It, it would be to some degree a, a rehash of of the kind of things we've already said. I suppose the the reason that this is an interesting topic for me is, I mean, I I should put it out that like I I hate call out culture. I I really despise it, and it it, it makes me often very angry. Mm. Um, and um. You know, I think there's a, there's a kind of frustrating, frustrating for me at least, uh, irony in that I often have more have stronger emotional responses to uh, responses around these sorts of things than I do to the things themselves, which, yep, which is yep. because I am uh, um, uh, a cynical um, prick, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's let's go with that. You're, you're uh, a prick. <laughs> but I just, it, it does make me really angry, and 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 and, and I'm with you on that. Sure. No. Um, I suppose the it makes and it doesn't just make me angry for the the kind of reasons of that I that I think it's less important. Although that is part of it. I think it's also just that I think often it's a way, and we've talked about this a bit before as well about identity politics kind of implying the existence of a sort of perfect uh, political identity. You know that there is a a, a, a hypothetical kind of person who is, like, who has, quote-unquote, like, good politics. Mm-hmm. Like, the best politics, you know. Um, and I think call-out culture can kind of often serve as a way to... a way for individuals to distance themselves from, like, shitty... Beha- to kind of locate shitty behaviour in certain kinds of people so that they don't... or we don't have to think about it in ourselves. So if we kind of say, I know what a racist looks like, a racist looks like Donald Trump, then I don't have to think about ways that I might be racist or might be kind of complicit in racist ideologies. Um, and I think that that's, you know, hugely problematic, partly because it, it, it doesn't um, really create much possibility for change. Uh, but it, it's, it's also like... It also means that people are completely let off the hook for having to kind of critique their own behaviour and their own mm. participation in, in, I don't know, in society generally, um, and and is is you know absolutely kind of uh, uh, something that I think grows out of uh, identity politics, which 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 is which kind of grows out of neoliberalism in in ways that we've we've talked about as well. Um, this kind of focus on uh, on the individual as having this kind of abstract. Um, self-contained identity distinct from, like, society, essentially. I think you're right. And I think that the most interesting part for me about that is that it's not just about... I think think the interesting part for me is that it's about what we target people in when in regards to call-out culture. So what is it that we're calling out all the time? Um, And 
what it is that we're calling out is act- is speech normally. It is normally speech. Yes. It is normally things people say. It's someone who makes a homophobic comment or says something stupid or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very rarely actions or political actions that we call out. It is the speech and that, you know, and the, and it is the, the, you know, the things that they say. So it's a really easy way to target an opposition, someone who we oppose or someone who we thought we liked, but then suddenly said something bad without actually looking at the actions, the very, the real actions of the people that we like or that we support or that we want to support. So the perfect example I can think of this, and this goes back to the US election, is that there was you know heaps of calling out um, of Donald Trump in relation to his treatment, his, his, his comments around immigrants, for example. Um, but very little criticism at the same time of, um, you know, and, and sorry, and a, part of, a bunch of that calling out has been around him saying that he's going to deport, you know, all these illegal immigrants, he's going to have deportation squads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but at the same time, we haven't seen that sort of calling out to Barack Obama, who has, uh, by estimates, over the past eight years, deported like 2.5 million illegal immigrants um, back, you know, to, to Mexico, doing sort of implementing the very policy that Trump was talking about. Um, because Barack Obama doesn't have the same language, the same crude racist language that someone like Donald Trump has. So it's a really easy way for us to call out and call out an enemy, someone who's an enemy in inverted commas, without being able to look back at the people who we support and what they're actually doing and the physical things that they're doing and the things that, you know, and and largely, you know, in terms of economic sense, the the implementation of neoliberal policies that are occurring on all sides of the political spectrum in this instance. So make- sure, sure. I mean, I, and, you know, I, I, I suppose I, I broadly agree. I, I, I think that uh, it's... Oh, I think it's a bit more complicated in in the mm. case of the the this US election because I think like a lot of people like by the end a lot of people were really being quite explicit about the kind of um like voting against Trump being a sort of harm minimization tactic so yeah, you know yeah. when people were kind of having a go at Hillary for example people were like it's not the same and you know like in a lot of ways it's not the same um and and so I feel I feel like that that part of um the discourse was at the forefront, that it wasn't so much a kind of lack of criticism of people that we maybe like more as it, so much as it was a kind of like pick aside guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking more, I was actually thinking more post the election since when sure, around the immigration sure, stuff. But anyway, sure. that's, that, that's, sure, that's now that example. Barack Obama's become like Jesus. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, what else was I going to say? Um, oh, uh, no, I was just going to say about the like, language stuff. I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't think that we don't call out shitty behavior. I think we often do, but the, I mean, I suppose like language is, is, I mean, you're right in that. I think that's like often the focus and probably more Mm. often than not. Um, and it's, it, I think it kind of ties into what I was saying about, um, the, uh, idea of kind of striving for this like perfect political self, um, that's become a part of identity politics in that, like, language is kind of easy because you can, like, I feel like in some ways, like, progressive politics have become basically just learning a list of positions to have on things mm-hmm. um, and, and learning a list of kind of language that we should use and that if you do those things, then you're a quote-unquote good person. Yep, um, yep. And, and it also then becomes a, a, an easy way to, like, identify 
who is not a good person to get, and which again, I think is like largely about making people feel good about themselves. Mm. And, you know, to some degree I go like, why the fuck not? I mean, you know, the world's awful. Like we've got <laughs> to take these things where we can. I think where, I mean, I'm being a bit facetious there. Um, the, I think where I find this stuff really challenging and particularly like post the election is that you, you can kind of draw lines. And we've touched on this a bit before, between, like, people who um, are really invest... I mean, there are a lot of kind of, like, you know, like, uh, identity politics-wise privileged people who are who are uh, engaging in this sort of this sort of practice, being, you know, like, I don't know, the, like, white, heterosexual, cisgendered men. Um, but it's also... Um, there are a lot of people who kind of uh, embody more kind of marginalised identity categories that engage in this stuff as well. And I, I think a lot of the discourse since the election has been... Um, I've, there's been, like, a kind of backlash to the sort of critiques that you and I might make by people of colour, for example, or by... Um, uh, I mean, that's, I suppose, where I've seen it uh, the most, saying that um, that is a kind of critique critiquing kind of call-out culture and critiquing this kind of, like, focus on on the symbolics of sort of language. Is something- Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Something that comes from a, can only come from a place of privilege. Mm. Um, and, and I think that there's some truth to that. And I, it kind of, it leaves me a bit, discomforted, you know, to kind of go, like, our argument here is to some degree resting on an assumption of, like, false consciousness on the part of people uh, who are often, you know, again, under the terms of identity politics, kind of less privileged than we are. Can you explain what you mean a bit more by the false consciousness bit? Just expand on that. Well, that that we're kind of... um, saying that there that people who kind of have these sorts of responses and focus on this sort of stuff that they are making um that their responses are kind of rooted in uh maybe a less like kind of quote unquote real view of the world than ours are or um a less material view of the world than ours are which on some level is is kind of quite um arrogant yeah no i can see what you're saying and i think I think that's a potential reading of it. I would say, I think I, I think the challenge of call-out culture is that while I hate it, 
I really, really hate it. I also completely understand it, um, and that I can look at it and I say what you're saying, and I can see this reaction to stuff, and, and I can really understand why it occurs and why people react in the way they do, and I don't blame people, I guess is the best term I can come up with, for reacting in the way they do to, to these sorts of events occurring. I don't blame people for reacting the way they do, for example, for the, you know, the grab them by the pussy comment or, or the, you know, or the, you know, and this, I think this is, you know, my reading of it, you, you almost have a new outrage every week that sort of sure, comes out sure. and I don't blame people for sort of getting into this cycle and I can understand the reaction, particularly when you have this sort of histories of violence and oppression that build up on top of people um and and then this is this isn't these are completely reasonable out like not outbursts isn't the right term because that makes it sound irrational but these are completely reasonable reactions to that process of, of occurring and seeing it publicly and having a space on place like social media to be able to react to it and to be able to really um, do to be able to do that. I think the challenge is for me is well, is this the most reason? Is not the reason? Sorry, reasonable is not the return. Is this the best way to react to these sorts of things? And is it actually achieving the change that we want to achieve in the world? And I think when I step back and say, well, I, I step back and I say, no, I don't think it is because I don't think it is actually creating any effective change. It is further in my view narrowing sort of our potential community of either of 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 supporters or allies because every time someone says something awful they're sort of my experience of watching this is that people automatically get ostracized they say one thing one comment yeah, yeah, and they sure. they're yeah. judged by that for the rest of their career and and I, and I have this total fear. I'm, you know, I write stuff constantly, posting stuff on Facebook all the time, you know, and that is my, that is my career. And I am always terrified that I'm going to say the wrong thing one day and that I will automatically be out. Like, that's totally. And I, I have exactly, exactly the same fear. And we've talked about this before. I've had, like, literally had nightmares where I wake up and I go onto Twitter and everyone hates me and I don't know why. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's, you know, in that, um, in that story, that guy's the the so you've been publicly shamed. They talk about this woman called Justine Sacco, who made an insensitive joke about AIDS in Africa. Ah, uh, yes, I you know, the, story, it was the one yeah. she said, you know, going to Africa. I've just looked. I was looking this up before. She tweeted something that said, "Going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white." Now, her explanation of it was that she was making a comment about racial politics and about the fact that white people are in a position of privilege in South Africa, but it just came across really awfully. Um, but what happened to her is that she was literally, she tweeted that just before she was getting on a plane, and then she was on a plane for 12 hours, and by the time she was off the plane, she had no idea, but was literally, like, she was trending on Twitter globally, was, you know, this is this is not a famous person, this is a random person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Globally, you know, that kind of stuff. I have those fears that's going to happen to me one day, and that I'm going to be that person. And I don't think... That is a useful response. It's an understandable response, but I don't think it's a useful response. I don't think it actually creates change. In fact, I think it creates significant backlash 
to the kinds of things we're achieving and we're trying to achieve or the kind of oppression we're trying to overcome because it, you know, it's not actually engaging with people on why they're doing why you know why what they've said is wrong or why what we've said is insensitive or what they've said is you know not helpful or whatever whatever we think about it and instead just saying you said this thing once you're out you're it's done just you're... like a fucking horrible way to treat another human being yeah like I, and, and you know there's obviously like <laughs> A, a, a huge gap here between... Like, I feel like we shouldn't mm. kind of compare... Um, we're not talking about Trump here, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's, like, that's something different, you know? And I, the, obviously, he's, like, a public figure. The stakes are much higher. But, mm. you know, in cases like that... And they're often, like, people, even if they are public figures, who, who really, um, I think, you know, where the, the stakes are pretty low. I think, like, at, you know... Best case scenario, it's, like, not achieving any change. Worst case scenario, you're, like, you know, ruining someone's life. Um, And and sort of somewhere in... And across all of that, again, I I just have that extreme discomfort that, to me, it's just primarily about, um, like, objectifying and othering people that we... that represent something, perhaps, in ourselves that we don't like. Yeah, yeah. and, And that just... I just find that really gross. You know, I, I was just thinking about this, um, something that happened recently and it was just one of those things. Like I, 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 I try, I, I usually don't, I can usually pick my battles pretty well on social media and I, I just kind of stay away from things cause I, I just hate it so much. Um, but there was this thing that happened recently, uh, like a few weeks back where a, a young guy who, um, used to be a columnist for the Star Observer, actually, funnily enough, which you and I, Simon, both have at various points been. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wrote an article, like, years ago, when he was very young, he was, like, 19 or something like that when he wrote it, um, called I'm a Sexual Racist or something. Yeah, I think I've heard the story, but you can keep going, yeah. Yeah, so so he basically wrote this article um, where he said... uh, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty appalling. I mean, it's basically just him saying, like, sexual racism uh, is a thing. Like, I just have certain preferences. They're, like, I mm-hmm. prefer to have sex with, you know, this kind of person or whatever. Uh, and what's wrong with that? Like, how is that any different from, you know, I don't know. Um, liking tall dudes or liking whatever. T- totally. Which is something we have actually addressed in a podcast before, which I think is, it is. is a, was a very good, um, a good discussion. Uh, <laughs> but... It, I mean, look, it's, like, just straight up a pretty horrible article. Like, it's it's not it's not good, and I would never want to defend it. I, I think that absolutely it, it shouldn't have been published, and, and I think that there was some kind of failure of duty of care to this very, very young writer who it should have been pretty clear was going to cop a lot of flack over, over publishing this thing. Anyway, fast forward, like, four or five years or whatever it's been, he's, like, running for the board of the, the Mardi Gras, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, um, very high-profile position. Somebody, uh, I don't know how it came up, but, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody dredged it up deliberately. Um, this article came up. He ended up being forced to kind of respond to it and, and say, you know, I don't, I regret it, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm, mm. But it just, like, some of the stuff I was seeing in, in the days after that, uh, after that happened, um, just, like absolutely just groups of people just shitting on this still young guy who was even younger when he did this thing that he now regrets kind of going, Oh, how much can someone change in five years? Like how real is this apology? 
And I just found the whole thing so kind of, um, so disgusting and, like, just absolutely representative of all these things I'm, that we're saying are kind of shitty about call out culture and that it achieved nothing. Um, it was surely not a kind of fun experience for this guy to go through. And then, uh, you know, I think says more about the people doing it than, than it does about him. I stupidly, stupidly commented on the thread <laughs> about this. And I, I think the like first lines in my comment were like, I'm going to regret this, but... And then I did, and I ended up just deleting the comment. But it was just basically... I just had this kind of tirade, which I really never do on social media, where I'm just like, this is horrible. Like, you know, this guy did something when he was really young, blah, blah, blah. And all these people started having a go at me, basically saying, like, don't police our responses, like, don't police, like, our kind of emotional responses to this, blah, 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 this is actually really important. And I, so I just still kind of deleted my comment. But um, but I was really kind of confronted by that, in that I, I, I find it really hard to find a kind of middle ground between saying, I do think that this behaviour is really shitty, but, like, validating the emotional place that these responses are coming from. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I, and I don't know how to achieve that. Um, and I think it's it's challenging because I do think that, as I said before, I think that these, these responses are understandable um, and, and make total sense. And yet... I find them so, and this is, I, I remember reading about this particular story um, and seeing people making those comments of, oh, it's just a fake, he's just trying to trying to cover up his real beliefs, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, so that he could get, get this board position. And I found that really gross, as, as you did, um, you know, the, the very idea that you can, you know, you said something when you were really young, Oh, even when you said something when you were really old, I don't really care when you said it. Uh, and then you regretted it. You realized, you know, some people provided feedback maybe. And then you went, oh, actually, now I've thought about this a lot more. Actually, that was not right. Um, and you go, okay, I'm going to try and set that, set the record straight and say that that was not right. And still you, everything what you said five years ago is held against you. Like, and I just not, I just don't find it useful in any way, shape or form. And even though I find it, even though I I understand it, and and that is the struggle I have with this, in like, how do you challenge the culture, a culture that I find extremely unuseful whilst understanding why people engage in that process? Um, And I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, except for to say, you know, there are more constructive ways to deal with this than than the way we're dealing with this sort of stuff. Well, I feel like uh, that kind of leads really nicely to the, the the final question that you had kind of um, uh, posited in the in the kind of list of questions we, we have for this episode, which I think is a really great one, um, and sort of flips that around a bit and and asks, you know, does rejecting call-out culture, as it sounds like we're doing, um, just give license for people to be homophobic, racist, and sexist? And do we have an alternative... So no, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Um, and but maybe I just have to. I have to say that because I'm. I'm. I'm sure that people. I'm sure there are people who would say it does give people license to being homophobic, racist, and sexist, or bigot. You know, have been. You know, say bigoted things in in any way they shape or form. I don't think that rejecting call out culture means that people don't have to be accountable for. Their, uh, their statements and their actions. I just think that there are more constructive ways for people to be accountable. Um, and I think that maybe the best... 
sort of like the really micro level stuff of this is I often see you know I'm a member of a number of Facebook groups, group, Facebook groups around political stuff and I often see people who will make a comment oh, about something uh, will say something and then you see people just pile on really really quickly without and I often wonder I wonder if anyone has actually messaged or called that person to have a conversation with them about why what they just said was maybe not the right thing or was maybe considered offensive to particular people. Did anyone actually engage with that person as a person or did they automatically label them as an awful person who needed to be called out? Um, did anyone realise that maybe they just made a mistake or they didn't understand that their language was, occur you know, that, that, what that, that, that language was offensive to particular people? Did, you know, what was, you know, what do we, you know, why it sort of goes to that thing where you were saying before about like creating the ideal person with the ideal politics. And the moment that you're not that ideal person, you're automatically labeled as the, the opposite of that almost. Um, and that you're sure, not, there are good know. people and there are bad people. Yeah. And so the moment you say one bad thing on social media, you're, you're one of the bad people. And so you just deserve to be called out for that and there's no redeeming you. And I don't think that that is a valuable proposition. And I actually think that if we actually engaged in processes where we said, you know, had conversations with people that said, Hey, this is why you, you know, why we, you know, why we think what you said or what you did was not right. Here is some sort of process. It might not change their mind. You don't, I don't know, but I think it's more constructive than automatically labeling them as a bad person and, and pushing them out of the tent, I sure. guess, of the potential good people. I mean, I think, you know, two things I would, say i think a lot of this goes to like the fact that it's no um it's no coincidence that this stuff all happens on social media where mm. i think often you know we have access to the opinions of all of these people uh, a lot of whom we don't we don't really know very well and and so uh i can imagine that in a lot of cases the relationships that would need to the kind of connection that would need to be there to support that sort of an action, you know, sending someone a direct message or giving someone a ring simply don't exist. Yep, yep. Um, uh, in that, you know, like, you're probably unlikely to be fighting with your best friend about this stuff on Facebook, for example. Yep, um, yep. So I think that, you know, that's uh, worth saying. I think it's also just worth saying that, like, uh, just thinking about the, the kind of wording of, of that question and that it sort of plays into this idea that if we don't hear people saying sexist, racist, or homophobic things, then there is no sexism, racism, and homophobia. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of like, well, I mean, there is. It's about more than like people saying bad yeah. stuff on the internet. Um, it, it is present in all parts of society and in all people. I think to to some degree, you know. Um, you know, women can be sexist, gay men can be homophobic, um, you know, for example. Uh, and so I think there is a lot of value in just acknowledging that and, and kind of, like, holding the fact that um, these things, this this behaviour that we try to sort of excise from ourselves is... We're not going to be able to do that, you know, that it's, mm. that it's, that it's there, that it's, it's there, it's in society, and, and we have to, to some degree, acknowledge that. Even as we fight to change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think oh, you've just... Uh, I know we're getting to the end, so I, I won't go into this too much, but you've just sort of sparked something in my head a little bit in which I think that, you know, the, the thought process I'm having right now is that I, 
I think that the way we talk about sexism, homophobia, and racism now almost solely sees them as actions of speech and nothing more. And I think that almost, not not quite the same, but we, it's it's very focused on speech and very focused on on things people say, and not so much on as much on what people do. Uh, and I and I sort of talked about this before in the sense that you know the best the the example that popped into my head was you know. No one, for example, would call Julia Gillard a sexist, even though on the same day that she part, you know, she made her famous misogyny speech, she passed rules that, you know, she passed cuts to welfare for single parents, right? Yes. But the focus was on the speech and not necessarily on the actions of what her government was doing. And there was sort of the dis- a dis- disconnect between sexist policy and, or you know, or just a policy and her speech. Or, or all that sort of stuff, and I think yes, that occurs it's quite, a stark quite example. yeah that that occurs quite regularly where people can be forgiven for speech or can be blamed for things they say whilst ignoring the the policy things that they're trying to implement or the things that they propose or all of that sort of stuff and and it becomes I guess I guess the, the what's happening is it's really easy to target speech um, but it's much harder to actually engage with the the sort of difficult policy issues that one could label as easily sexist when, or when, you know, but others just say, well, this is just economic policy, for example. I don't know where I'm just, it was just a thought bubble, but I'm just one which, 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 no, no, sure. And, you know, it's also, um, to, you know, I think we should also kind of resist, like, putting those two, thi- like, putting those yeah, things in yeah, sort yeah. Of two separate camps. I mean, I think, I think it's, um, uh, you know, they're, they're absolutely interrelated, um, but, yeah, the point is more that we do yeah. focus on one or, or that I think that people are actively putting them into two separate camps, which I don't think they should be. Um, and so we focus on the speech when sure, the material, sure. and this goes back to what we've been talking about a lot, we focus, focus on the symbolic when the material is being ignored. Uh, and I think the call-out culture is actually a really good good, um, good illustration of that, where we focus on what people are saying um, and ignore the things that they're doing, the material things that they're doing. Uh, we might finish up there. Uh, So that's it for us today. Thank you for listening, and we will be back with another episode, hopefully, in in two weeks. It won't be Yeah, yeah, I think we're both in the country, so that's good. Yay. Well, in the meantime, you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And, of course, please leave us a review and a rating. It always helps other people find us, and we really appreciate it. And tell everyone else to do it as well, because, you know, we just, we, yeah, that would be, that would be helpful. Uh, you can also find us in the meantime on Twitter. I am at Ben C. Riley. And I'm at Simon Copland. And you can also catch me on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. That's all for us today, and we will see you next time. See you later. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.